welcome to Oh Wells, the show on Talk Film Society, where we take a look at every Orson Welles movie. Yeah, and this counts. It counts. Okay, I'm Max. And I'm Mike. And today we are going to be taking a look at the new Orson Welles movie, Hopper Wells. Hopper Wells. You know, I, I do Soderbergh 2828 uh, with uh, Marcelo. And, you know, we did that 28 episodes, 28 movies in, in 28 episodes. And we figured, like, well, there's going to be more. And, you know, we're up to like 32, 32 or something like that because Soderbergh is constantly making movies. But I have to say, when we got to the end of Oh Wells, I didn't think there would be more you know no you didn't i mean i knew that he had some stuff in the vault but it's you know like what when this thing popped up you know and i, I told my wife i'm like oh orson wells he's got a new movie coming out she's like what the fuck is he like tupac or something like what's <laughs> the deal <laughs> you know what i mean so how does he keep on making movies he's been dead for the 35 years So, but he does. He keeps on making movies. Um, And this one is, uh, yeah, Hopper Wells. We we, we were fortunate enough to watch it as part of the virtual New York Film Festival thing. I don't know exactly when it's being released, you know, publicly, like in, in terms of like wide wide releases or whatever. I don't know if it's going to be in theaters. I don't know if it's going to be on streaming or whatever, but it'll be somewhere. Bro, I think it's safe to say it's not going to be in theaters. You never know. It could be. Mm. Uh, Maybe not anytime soon, but it could be. You know? Probably not, though. Yeah. We shall see. Seems like a safe bet. I didn't really know anything about this movie going into it, uh, aside from the fact that it was like a conversation between Orson Welles and Dennis Hopper, which was recorded in like 1970. But in the intro, and once you start watching it, it becomes pretty clear that this is actually footage which was shot for The Other Side of the Wind. And it's the it's the biggest deleted scene ever. <laughs> yes. Two out, it, it, it might be longer than... <laughs> The movie. It might be longer than Other Side of the Wind, right? Um, yeah, it's the biggest deleted scene ever. It's 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 a bananas amount of time that theoretically could have been part of the movie. It's very strange. Yeah, and, and it really kind of speaks to like what the Other Side of the Wind was and what it became and why it maybe took them, you know, fifty years to put it together or whatever but there's a scene in the other side of the wind where dennis hopper is just talking at a mm-hmm. at the party and as dennis hopper and what well, i don't even remember what part was used I, I just remember him when he shows up he says something weird and i'm like that makes sense and then you know moved on but like that was like an interesting little bit from the movie but it's a short little bit and this is basically the entire conversation which was all improvised with hopper in character but as hopper and wells in in character as dennis hopper the character in the other side of the wind 
Yes, but but, but he did basically is playing the real Dennis Hopper, whereas Orson Welles is playing the John Huston character, but who is who is basically, basically Orson Welles <laughs> exactly? So with so, a different person's name. Yes. So in the end, what you get is just Orson Welles and Dennis Hopper talking to each other. I I, I I'm curious because there's some stuff you know. Like, like there was some stuff which was said, and obviously this is 50 years later and everything, and, you know, um, what's socially acceptable and whatever has changed a bit. But there were moments in this where I was like, I can't believe he said that. Or that that doesn't really stand the test of time. But at the same time, can you go like, well, but, but is he actually saying that? Or is the character saying it? Oh no! It's the best out imaginable. <laughs> like you can, like every every single part of this movie where you're like, "Yikes, that was not great." You can go, "Oh well, I guess it wasn't really Dennis Hopper, Dennis Hopper saying it, and it wasn't really Orson Welles, Orson Welles saying it." It was like it was like shielded by this 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 patina. Of of meta narrative, yes, it's so it's so strangely delicate. It's it's very it's a very strange watch. It is, it is, but it it is really insightful. And th- th- thank God I did this because I didn't really think about it until the very last minute. But just as I was about to start it up, I was like, you know, I've never seen Easy Rider. It's just, it's like a huge blind spot for me. I should probably watch Easy Rider before watching this this documentary or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I, yeah, probably. And I did, and and then you know, of course, that's the very first thing that they're talking about because I I, I think the the reason why it's important or the reason why Dennis Hopper is there or anything, you know, this was made a year after Easy Rider was released and. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, like Easy Rider being one of, if not the movie, which changed movies, you know, like it is sort of like indie subset, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of the first 70s movie. I think it, I think it's more the last 60s movie. I don't know. Like there's that scene and this certainly helped too. you know, like the limey has always been one of my favorite movies and. I've never seen Poor Cow because you can't get it, but in the past year I have seen Vanishing Point and now I've seen Easy Rider and that really sort of informs the meta-narrative of that movie. You haven't you know, seen Poor Cow? No, I can't find it. I, I don't, you can't get it All in right. the States no, anyway. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, but like in that movie, Peter Fonda, who's, you know, basically playing a version of Peter Fonda too, right? Yeah. He's like, uh, it was the 60s, and then he's like, actually, it was really just 66 to 69, right, or mm-hmm. something like that. So, I mean, this is, to me, it's not the first 70s movie. It's like the, the last 60s movie, but... They, they, they might be both accurate. It could, it could be both of those things, like The Matrix, right? The Matrix yeah. is the first movie of the new millennium, even though it was made in 99, yeah. in a sense. Um, so... There's that. I, anyway, I'm glad that I watched Easy Rider, especially for that reason. And and um, it's not bad. It holds up. 
It's yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I, I it didn't blow me away or anything like that, but like I appreciated what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is interesting though too because in a lot of ways I feel like, and I'm not saying that this is a direct one to one, but Orson Welles having changed movies with Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. I feel like with the other side of the wind, he was really trying to make a movie in this new style that people like Dennis Hopper had just created. Right. It's really weird to me to watch the other side of the wind or watch the raw footage from, from this thing and think like this was the choice that, that Wells made like someone who was so formally strict in Mm -hmm. Citizen Kane embracing the chaos of Easy Rider for the other side of the wind and and Hopper Wells I don't know I'm not saying that that's bad or anything like that it's surprising to me but at the same time it really does speak to his malleability and also like awareness of where the art form was and where it was going. Well, like we've read like multiple, like many interviews with Orson Welles and we've seen a lot of interviews with Orson Welles. And I think that this is just like one of the many like points in his evolution that to me, speak to his disillusionment with movies in general. It seems like like the that that period after Citizen Kane, when he was like celebrated, it it, it kind of ruined him. And and this period where he's like making these incredibly chaotic movies, I think it's like. Uh, partly like there's a there's a nihilistic aspect to it of like none of this matters like it it, none none of these things mean anything like i'm gonna make a movie about how everything's fake and it's all nonsense and i'm gonna make a movie about how movies don't don't matter and how they're not real but that's also kind of awesome and i'm going to get into a a very long discussion about the, the 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 role of revolution and the notion that that like movies are are like a transformative work of art like he 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 clearly went through some sort of like like a, a, a psychological like tipping point at some point like he 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 lost faith in the art and the idea of 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 its power and decided to decide that that was great because it's controllable the idea that it's meaningless is something you can hold on to yeah i, I at the same time i wonder and this is just pure speculation or whatever it is just musings or whatever. But like, do you think that there was some part of him that was like, and obviously he was, he was all for the experimentation while looking at like, you know, 
F for fake or whatever we decided was the real title of that movie and, and, and everything like that. I think um, that we decided that the real title for that movie is some movie. It doesn't matter what it's called. Yeah, exactly. But I also wonder if like maybe he either felt like, oh, I need to make a movie like this in order to be relevant or um, that looks like a really cool way to make a movie. Let me try that. And then once he started getting into it, was like, mm, this isn't for me. And, you know, could that be the reason or a reason why the other side of the wind never got finished in his lifetime because I like, I understand money running out and all that stuff, but at the same Uh time it's like, and obviously things are very different now because you've got laptops with final cut pro and everything. But I mean, are you telling me that like Orson Welles, if this was really his passion, couldn't get like a Steenbeck or whatever. And even if it was just him sitting in a room by himself, I mean, I just feel like, he could have finished that movie if he really wanted to. Just like James Cameron could create a new transfer of the abyss if he really wanted to, right? But it's just not something which is a priority for him. He'd rather go down to the bottom of the ocean, and that's perfectly fine. I think there's I think like James Cameron, like there is a revisiting of old wounds aspect to both of these things. Uh-huh. Like I think that like part of it is is the idea that like it it doesn't hold the same power that it once did. Like I think that the 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 loss of faith in the medium is is a through line in his work. Mm-hmm. Like the other side of the wind is largely a movie about how movies are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. and like uh, the last movie is kind of the same thing. The last movie is is Dennis Hopper's version of it. Like they were both basically making the same sort of statement at the same time from like completely different points of view. Like Dennis Hopper was trying to say, like this is a dangerous medium, and Orson Welles was saying the danger of this medium is believing it. And they are both coming at it from this other point of view, basically ending up with very similar works of art. And and maybe I mean that that also kind of speaks to the idea of like, I mean that there's two two ways that that to look at it, which are kind of interesting, you know two directors talking about movies, you Mm -hmm. know, is what this boils down to. Movies and revolution. Yeah. But, but like one, you could look at it as like Orson Welles was the Dennis Hopper of the forties. Right. So it's like the guy who did this thing. I mean, it would be like if, you know, Dennis Hopper was interviewing Quentin Tarantino in the nineties, or if, you know, Quentin Tarantino was interviewing, I don't know, Jordan Peele in the 10, you know, I mean, you could, you could like take that to where, Ooh. wherever you want it to, whatever, you know? Um, so there's that, but there's also Yikes. the idea of like <laughs> Orson Welles at the end of his career talking to 
Dennis Hopper at the beginning of his career. You know, there, there's that, like the idea of like a filmmaker passing the, the torch in a sense, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting in that regard too. But when you get into the actual conversation, there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, these guys are just like shooting the shit and that's fine in the way that people shoot the shit. But like, they really don't have anything insightful to say for the majority of the conversation. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) no, like there are, there are points where like Orson Welles sometimes theoretically in character Uh gets kind of confrontational. Well, he's, Hopper? He, I mean, he talks about that. Like he's keep on, he keeps on trying to push Dennis Hopper's buttons, and Dennis yes. Hopper, for whatever reason, probably because he's stoned, is just like, no, yeah, you're right. I think it's because <laughs> Dennis Hopper, like, ultimately, just is kind of like chill. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I, I'm not getting into an argument with you. Like, this is how I feel about this. And you might like, want me to like, a- address something that you see as a problem in my reasoning. And maybe it is, man. But you know what? It's not a big deal to me. <laughs> Which is weird, because I I don't know, like that that is not the impression that I had of Dennis Hopper. And maybe it's because of the roles which he plays. And, you know, when I think of Dennis Hopper, I like think King of I, I think of of speed. I think of Blue Velvet. I think of <laughs> that crash that crash TV show that uh, Iris Stephen Bear made. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or the King Koopa role. I, I yet I haven't seen that movie. I'm sorry. I, you keep on saying oh that. God. I don't think of that. I'm sorry. That uh, that's, that's my, next on my list. Easy Rider, Super Mario Brothers, double awesome. feature. Yeah, I, but I, because of that, you know, or even like Apocalypse Now, I think of him as being this kind of like high strung, super crazy guy who's like basically just trying to start fights with people over things that those people don't care about. And this I feel is like the opposite. Like that's what Orson Welles is trying to do. And Dennis Hopper is just like, okay, whatever. That's fine. (laughs) You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Um, some of the stuff that they talk about, I mean, I, I guess the other thing just sort of like overarching, it, which is interesting about it is it really does capture a specific moment in time where he had just finished Easy Rider. It also was, feels very much like they're talking about right now. It, well, that, but I, I mean, in terms of like their personal stuff, like, you know, Hopper was making the follow up to Easy Rider, which... You know, I, I mean, I think people thought that he was going to be, you know, the next big auteur, but really he made that follow up, which was not as well regarded as Easy Rider. I haven't seen it, the last movie. But oh, it is more ambitious. Uh, see, that I, it, I mean, it that's, is weird. Uh-huh. It is confusing. Uh, like, you watch it and you're like, wait, what happened? No, but I mean, that's the thing that you see all the time, right? Is, you know, someone makes a movie which 
you know, is a passion project for no money or and then whatever. They get all the power in the world. Yeah. It's and they the, go bananas uh-huh. and do everything they want to do. And it comes out and you watch it and you're like, what is this? It, and it's them uncut. There, there's, I mean, an interesting tie in here. There's a Peter Bogdanovich documentary on Tom Petty called Running Down a Dream, which I highly, highly recommend. It's amazing. It's four and a half hours long or something like that. But I really Bogdanovich had the same had the same thing happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like there's an interesting part in there where they talk about like albums, you know, from bands. And the same thing can apply to movies where it's like, I think it's uh, was uh, Jimmy Iovine, I think, was talking in this thing where he says like... Um, the first album, you know, or, or or first movie, however you want to think about it, first movie is something which a filmmaker has been working on their entire lives, right? Like this is yep. a story which they've been dying to tell and they've, you know, tweaked it for years and years and years and years and years. And it comes out and it's great. And then they can do whatever they want and they decide to make a movie which they've been working on for a few months, right? And mm. it's like you don't, you don't have that. You know, I mean, the, the the idea that it's like, yeah, you might have had something in your in your back pocket or whatever, but you do, you don't have that same. I don't know passion that you had for that first thing because it hasn't been a part of your life for your entire life i think that's i think that's a narrative that has occurred i don't think that's necessarily what happened in these in in some of these examples i think sometimes like the the movie that breaks through gets them the position where they can do the thing that they really want to do and that, they, and they and they break out the movie that they've been working on for years and years and years and years and and, and, they, and has and, all their crazy ideas about movies and about how what if it what if uh what on one whole reel was upside down that would be awesome because it would really mess people's perceptions and and that's something which does apply much more to movies than albums because it's not going to cost them any more money to write this song compared to this song. Right. You know, and, and the third part of that is that like once the, you know, I'm mean, what they call it, like the sophomore slump or whatever. Right. And yes, once the second thing flops, he's like the third one, that's where you get the masterpiece. And, and, and I can see that. I mean, you see that with, um, I know you're going to totally disagree, but with Kevin Smith, you know, he makes clerks. It's great. He makes mm-hmm. mall rats. It's eh. And then, and then he, makes he makes Chasing, Chasing Amy, Amy and Dogma, and a bunch of other movies. And eventually he gets around to making Clerks 2, and yeah. he finally gets to his stride. I guess that's one way of looking at it. I was thinking Chasing Amy, but whatever. Um, regardless, have you seen... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this on uh, Orson Welles' podcast, but have you seen uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot? No. Uh, it's on Prime. Check it out. It's amazing. Um, I, I, you know, I, I always feel like we're posers by talking about Orson Welles on this thing because it's so not what we normally talk about. And the thing that I always think about is like when the podcast was first announced, there is a podcaster slash critic of note 
who started following both of us on Twitter. And then as soon as the first episode came out, he unfollowed both of us on Twitter. And I think like that tracks, you know, but regardless, here we are talking about Hopper Wells and having a, 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 you know, spontaneous conversation, much like uh, Dennis Hopper and Orson Welles. Um, but they, they talk about some interesting things. I think the idea of it being, you know, in 1970 and talking about things today, like you're saying, right? Like a lot of like the politics that they talk about is kind of similar, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's weird how how much time is spent in this movie talking about the left and the right and um the the fight against fascists yeah and and uh, like how divided the races are and how how difficult it is to be a public figure that has a political position um, especially one that is unpopular. It's weird. The the left it's and so weird. The left and the right. I, I don't want to get into spoilers for whatever is you know. I Our mean, conversation. The, yeah, it's not not like there's anything to spoil, and and you know, but like the one thing which stood out to me there is the thing where they they were talking about lefties and how. For one thing, Dennis Hopper did not consider himself to be a lefty. Mm-hmm. But also how like you could not talk to lefties because they were the most despised group of people on the political spectrum, and basically, you know, they they were they were un untouchable in the sense that you could not touch them, yes. right? That's and that's that, what the word means, and and and, and that's. That seems so weird to me because, for one thing, I, I mean, you listen to what Dennis Hopper was saying and all of his stuff, I think, was really, really, you know, liberal, right? Yes, but, he, 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 he comes across like very liberal, um, but like at the same time um, afraid to identify himself as such. And I guess a lot of that has to do with communism, right? Yes. And Wells seems to be like in character, it's weird because like I want him to be I want him to be speaking as himself, but he's also kind of not. It's weird. Like Wells was not really he he wasn't really like like a left wing or right wing personality ever. I mean, he certainly did some things which were rather progressive, like, you know, the, the idea of like, you know, working like, like that. What was it? Hamlet that he did like an all uh, an all black uh, cast of Hamlet, I think. Yeah. You know, things like that, you know, which no one else was doing at the time. But in in the thing, he says that he's been labeled as a fascist and because he was like. He tells some story about hanging out with Hemingway or some shit like that, which who knows if that's even true, right? I I don't know. I don't know if that's true. It's impossible to know what's real in this thing, man. And you know what matters? None of it. Movies are garbage. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is the point that the, that uh, this movie's making. Um, but some other stuff which was just kind of interesting, which kind of you know made me go like, haha. Um, when they're talking about editing, apparently Hopper hates editing, which is really weird because you look at Easy Rider and you think like that is a movie which was created in the editing room. And oh he, yeah, you could. I mean, obviously he hates it because it's important. <laughs> And it's boring. I guess that's what it is. I, there's this this great documentary called The Cutting Edge, which is all about editing. And, and in the documentary, they talk to the editor of Easy Rider. And he mm-hmm. talks about how, like, when they were shooting the movie, everybody was stoned. So he was like, they were all stoned filming the movie. I'm going to be stoned when I edit the movie. So he got stoned and he started editing the movie and he's like, this is amazing. And then the next day he came back sober and looked at it and he's like, this is fucking garbage. And from that point on, he did not edit the movie while under the influence of marijuana. But, Mm. um, but there's also a thing in there where, (laughs) Um, you know, <laughs> um, Dennis Hopper's talking about editors and Wells is like, please don't call them editors. They're call cutters. Them cutters. Yeah. Cause it, that's all they do. They're garbage people with cutters. <laughs> you know what they do? They do, they do garbage. Which I, I, mean, I had an editor once who's going to go on to make a terrible Star Trek movie. <laughs> Yep, uh, but th- th- that <laughs> th- that thing I thought was really funny, and you know, I'm like, I'm all for calling editors cutters just because it's cool or whatever. But when you get to the credits, Bob Morawski, who's by the way uh, Sam Raimi's editor, who edited both the other side of the wind and this, he credits himself as cutter. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, there's also uh, a moment when Hopper quotes Bob Dylan. And Orson <laughs> Welles doesn't know who he is. Yeah. It's such a cute moment. It it's is. It's like, oh, the past. And I even had to look it up. Like, was Bob Dylan, like, was he just coming on the scene? You know, because, I mean, that happens to me all the time. People are like, you know, oh, you know, here's here's Heim, and I'm like, who's Heim? And then you know, or something like that. But no, is that a real person? It's a it's a group. Yes, uh, okay. They're they're very good. I, I highly recommend checking them out. But no, it's just noise. Bob Bob Dylan had been making music for like ten years at this point, or something like that. You know? Yeah, I mean, around. people knew who he was <laughs> in the '60s. Hippies knew about Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. But he had even crossed over. I mean, it's not like he was new to the scene. He's just outside no. of, you know. Um, and the the other thing which which made me laugh, which I thought was really kind of interesting and, and really kind of, I think, spoke to maybe what Hopper was doing later on in life. He was talking about, and there's two things here. He was talking about how he he doesn't read and the newspapers get to his house two days late and everything. So he mm-hmm. gets all his news from TV. And Wells is like, how can you do that? Like, how, would, how do you think that you can get accurate news from television and not newspapers? Mm-hmm. And that cracked me up because just like, I don't know, 
six or seven months ago, back before COVID, I was at a party with some relatives and one of my relatives who's like maybe 10 years older than me, like let's say like 50 years old, she's like, I don't have cable. And her friend was like, but then what do you do for news? Where do you get your news? And I'm sitting over here thinking like, you get your news the same place where everyone gets their news from, right? Like Twitter, right? The internet. Exactly. You know? My Washington Post subscription and like my news feed. But like here, here, this 60 year old guy, the idea of not having cable because then you'll be shut out of news is kind of the same thing that, you know, 50 years ago, Orson Welles was like, you don't get your news from newspapers. You get them from TV. It's a, it's a, it's a bleak world when like the, the reality is that the vast majority of people get their news from 24 hour news stations. And it was a bleak world in the 60s when there were a vast majority of people who got their news from the TV news. I, I guess I guess that's true. But I, I also think, on, on the other hand, like, it speaks to kind of the old-fashioned nature of Orson Welles thinking, like, you can't get news from new media. And I think that he was, to a great extent, right. Oh, maybe. Like, uh, coverage of of Vietnam on television was was terrible. Um, like, history has shown that it was wildly inaccurate and largely controlled by the government. And, like, there were people who were fighting against it, but they were fighting a, a real hard battle. And, like, if you wanted, like, real inside story, real, like, the the dark reality of it, you had to go to, like print media and you had to dig because it wasn't cover story i mean sure i i get that but at the same time like i mean just like kind of like bumping it up to today like the idea of getting all of your news from tv or even the newspaper there is like an urgency to it there are so many times where i'll see a story break on twitter and i'll go to you know like cnn.com or whatever to get the story and they and they won't have it yet, you know. Yeah, of course. And and it's just like there is something to the immediacy of new media, whether it's the news when you can't get a newspaper for two days, or Twitter because someone can tweet something a lot faster than someone can write a story about it. You know, I, there's something to that too. You know. I don't know. It, it, uh, I yeah. I think that the immediacy is one thing, but accuracy is more important. Sure, sure. But but I'm just saying it. There's there's a place for both. There's a need for both. So I don't know. Anyway, one's more important. Sure, but you know, both are important. I don't know. No. Okay. Immediacy is not nearly as important as accuracy. <laughs> okay, uh, that's, that's fine. Um, the the other thing. I is, think I'm gonna take the. <laughs> What is it, Jack Hannaford? Is that his name? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Who's that? The character's name from the other side of the wind. I'm going to take oh, his Jack. position okay. and say that, no, you can't get all your news from television. Okay. That's ridiculous. Okay. Dennis Hopper. Fair enough. Get it together. But th- there is a thing in there, too, where Hopper is like, I love the news, and I wish I could watch it all day long. 
And I, I couldn't help but think like, just give it 15 years, man, and you'll be living the dream. And then I, and then I kind of flashed forward to that guy from Crash who, you know, maybe is not that dissimilar to Dennis Hopper in real life. And maybe the idea of him being like, I'm just going to sit around and watch news all day because that sounds like fun, but not CNN because, you know, uh, Ted Turner, Jane mm-hmm. Fonda, because apparently Jane Fonda's bad, I guess. <laughs> well, there, there's some like real bad blood with the Fondas. You know, like, I, didn't, I didn't even put that together. I I didn't even put that together because yeah, he he says like I love everybody except for the Fondas, and the Jane Fonda conversation takes place in another part of the documentary and i yeah, did not like, put those things i was thinking like henry fonda you know but that's true yeah no like he like he, something went down like i don't know what it was but like but but i but I, i'm assuming there is hate there but i'm assuming he's cool with peter i know he says like like he said uh, he said they all hate me and, yes. then, and then and then wells is like why and he's like i don't know because i made their son a movie star you know something along those lines so i, I don't I, I, without investigating it I, and i don't really care that much about it but i got the impression that like they hated him because he corrupted their son right but like he and peter oh. were cool no uh, no, I okay. got the impression that 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 there was legitimate bad blood between him and all the Fondas. <laughs> Every Fonda, no ever... Fonda is Fonda Hopper. Yeah, even <laughs> even Bridget Fonda, who may not have even been born yet, he's like screw her. Bridget Fonda was born with a, a picture of Dennis Hopper on the wall with darts in it. <laughs> She grew up to 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 despise Dennis Hopper and anything connected to him. I guess I, she hates rabbits to this day. <laughs> okay, well, because they're because they're hoppers. Gotcha. Well, that's clever. Anyway, <laughs> well, I don't really think there's really much else to say about this. I think it's a really interesting conversation. I don't know if it really works as a movie. And and I have to say that it is long. I mean, because I think it is pretty much uncut. You know, it's like two hours and 10 minutes. I don't think they left out anything. And it's great. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't leave anything out. I love how raw it is. Um, but, you know, it goes on for a while, you know? Oh, no. It... it- <laughs> It doesn't work as a movie. <laughs> it's not. It's not a movie. It's. It's a thing. Yeah, a like, thing. A, a thing I would recommend people watch. Yeah, but if you say this is movie Hopper Wells, it's not. Um, you know, okay. I don't know. Is it good? I mean, no. But like, if you say that there is a two-hour outtake. For the other side of the wind, yeah, that is maybe better than the movie. Yeah, it, it's it, called it, Hopper Wells, and it may be check better, it out. It may be better than the other side of the wind. It's a side quill. It's uh, this is Orson Welles, Ant Man and the Wasp. If to to hit to other side of the winds, what and game? This is Orson Welles, Ant Man and the Wasp. 
I don't understand. Because it's like that's what was going on while Infinity War was going on, right? Uh-huh. So, like, Dennis Hopper is, like, the Ant-Man in this scenario. Uh-huh. But Hopper Wells is Orson Welles' Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm just glad we're on the same page with this one. All right. No, I'm just, like... I mean, we might be on the same page, but I don't know what book we're in. I, I don't know either, but it doesn't matter. Um, but how about we close that book? Um, boy, who knows when we'll get another Orson Welles movie. It could happen. Hey, he tried to make a Don Quixote movie, man, and it never came together. Yeah, that goes around. Uh, although it finally <laughs> happened. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to see that movie so badly. I watched a documentary about the making of that the movie, the Terry Gilliam thing, and then the Terry Gilliam thing came out, and I was kind of like, I'm good. You know? Like, I even rent, like, it was available for, like, a 99-cent rental on iTunes, and I'm like, I am going to rent that, and I am going to watch it. And it sat there for 30 days, and then it expired, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> uh, classic stuff, man. Yeah, anyway. Uh. All right. Well, so we probably won't be doing another one of these anytime soon, but we got other stuff. Uh, we're, we're, we got a podcast over on a website called Film Damage, uh, filmdamagepod.com, where we uh, talk about uh, film projection. We talk film about projection, Star, Trek, Star Trek, time travel. Time travel. Yes. Do you want to hear about uh, the time travel in your favorite? movies like bill and ted's excellent adventure and back to the future and you want to hear not whether the movies themselves are any good but whether or not the time travel actually makes any logical sense and if so how and if not how not then head on over to filmdamagepod.com and click on the uh elementary temporal mechanics and and you can talk you know hear, hear some stuff about that or, or go to the film damage section and you can hear us talk about uh what went down on opening night of the dark night in the projection booth while you were sitting in the theater watching the movie mm-hmm. things like that or and what's happening when a movie stops yes and it goes dark <laughs> What's going on up in the projection booth while you're in the dark silence? Yeah. And an usher is saying it'll just be a moment. Yeah. While upstairs, people are losing their minds. Yes. And screaming at each other about, you get that end, I'll get this end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, or if you want to hear us do audio commentaries for all the new Star Trek episodes, you know, like Lower Decks. Uh, yeah. I mean, we got it all over there. Um so yeah, check it out. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at jmagsago. And yeah, that's about it. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for indulging us in our ramblings as we talked about this movie, which is all about, you know, two ramblings. people rambling. Um, and until we meet again... Oh, Wells. Well.